brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You hear kind of a stirring within it and out pops a raccoon and it scratches your face for one harm. That's unacceptable. At the same time, Ray Ray, while you're talking to Leo, oh God, I'm so bad with names. While you're, if only I had a list of them right in front of me. <laughs> um, while you're talking to Leo, you notice out of the corner of your eye something moving and there is actually a bear approaching the two of you. He doesn't see it yet. Dang, Leo, come get back. I think this is yours. <laughs> what you just heard is a clip from Shrimp and Crits, our actual play podcast where we play Monster of the Week for your tiny little ear holes. New episodes are available to download every other week on Mondays on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you can, please rate us, subscribe to us so you can get notifications when new episodes release, and leave a review. The things you've said so far have been incredible. Find us online on Instagram and Twitter at Shrimp and Crits, and you can also go to our website, shrimpandcrits.com. Thank you for listening, and welcome to Sunny Gullicochica. This podcast includes topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness. If this might disturb you or those around you, Please reconsider. It's okay. Privacy and confidentiality have been protected, with personal information removed when possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please call your local crisis center, emergency services, or national hotline. In the U.S., the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 800-273-8255. You matter. Hey, this is Kate. Last time I said I would try to run a more upbeat episode before a couple of very difficult and dark ones that are coming down the pike. And so that's what you get. I talk with my friend Trish, who has a podcast called Geekorama and also is an author and creator, co-creator of the superherofiction.com website. 
which she'll explain that for you better. So I'm not going to try and say screw it up. But what I can say is that she's so smart and she's so interesting that I end up fully engaged in a conversation about several topics, superheroes and the Avengers and fan fiction and things I just, I had, not even that I don't know anything about them, but I didn't think I wanted to, but this was super fun. Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss. My name is Trish Heinrich. Um, I am an independent author. I write superhero urban fantasy under T.L. Heinrich, and I will be starting to write uh, superhero romance under uh, Trish Heinrich this year. Um, I'm a mother. I'm a geek. I'm a wife. Um, I also am one of the two mastermind villains or heroes, depending on your point of view, uh, behind the website superherofiction.com, where it's basically a discovery engine for superhero fiction. And I'm also one of the hosts of the Geekorama podcast, which is a podcast by geeks for geeks. Is that all? That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I know. (laughs) <laughs> I'm thinking about everything I do, and I'm like, dang, that's a lot. I also good for, we're also good doing. For me. I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of impressive. We're also doing our second annual online convention in June, but we've like basically doubled our workload on that one because we're doing twice as many panels, and we're having like pre-recorded sessions, and it's just he and I, my my work husband is what I call him, and it's just he and I and a couple of our volunteers and we're like we're kind of nuts because we're full-time authors he actually has a full-time design business along with that (laughs) we're kind of crazy (laughs) i mean that's that that's one way of wording it that's that is absolutely that's a a certain kind of that's a certain kind of something going on but i I mean good (laughs) yeah and i mean it's a so you you mean you've got your niche you've got your geek nerd what's the difference geek or nerd like are you Um, both are you either well i don't really see a difference sometimes people think nerd is a bit more offensive but i don't really see a difference i i either one you just you're just those things um yeah and so you were on the show what almost two years ago now i think so yeah um so i think a few things have happened because at that time you had (laughs) the one series out Mm-hmm. And uh, I you, it was just the one trilogy. Yeah, you had your your trilogy, and then I think that you had just started your podcast. It was a, it was a baby at the time. I believe I was doing. Yeah, so actually, that podcast I had started that podcast. It never really got off the ground. My podcasting partner for that one, he was just kind of all over the place. And he's like, you know what? I'm not really committed to this. And I said, that's okay. And we scrapped it. And I'm actually doing a completely different one with a 
a completely different uh, podcast partner. Um, and that one was in a similar vein, but it really didn't have a focus. It was just kind of all over the place. And we, we were kind of playing around with a couple different uh, things that we wanted. And it just it, it never felt right to either one of us. Um, but this one, we so Jeremy Flagg is the, the author, the author that I work with. And um, we just to kind of get maybe get in the weeds a little bit, but uh, to explain superhero fiction, which is where the podcast kind of originated from. Um, it's really hard to find our genre on Amazon. I mean, there is a superhero category, but everybody dumps everything they want in there. It's really hard for superhero books to get discovered there. So we got kind of pissy about it. And um, we at a writer's conference a couple of years ago, we were like, well, screw it. If Amazon's not going to, you know, do what we need, we're going to do it ourselves. So we decided to come up with a discovery uh, website. And so the website started off basically as a place for readers to find superhero books. And we reached out, we, we discovered we both knew almost like a hundred superhero authors between the two of us. So we reached out to a bunch of them, got them to upload their books onto the site, got them in a private Facebook group so that we could kind of coordinate. And we, it kind of took off from there like a rocket. Um, we did promotions to bring visibility to the website uh, the first year. And that went okay. And then we decided, well, why don't we expand? So we expanded into a reader newsletter. We um, That's when we decided to have a podcast. And the purpose of the podcast was always to bring discoverability back around to the website. Everything we do in connection is to drive traffic there. And so people can discover those books and those authors. Um, and we were probably three months into the Geekorama podcast when we just had this overwhelming interest in a author interview podcast. So we reached out to an author friend um, who has a great presence. He's just very conversational. And we said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And he's like, oh my God, yeah. So we decided, well, why don't we just have a podcast network? It'll sound so cool. Um, so we, we do. It's only two podcasts right now. Um, but we have an author interview podcast called Behind the Mask. And then we have the Geekorama podcast. Um, and like I said, both of those are uh, for fun um, and also to bring people to the website. And then we've, we've done several promotions. We Last year we did an impromptu virtual convention, which I'm shocked if we pulled that off. We put it together in three weeks. <laughs> we had one panel a day for five days and we, and we pulled it off beautifully. And so we're doing that again this year in June, but we're expanding it into a creative track of panels and, and a fan track of panels, as well as pre-recorded things like author readings. We're going to reach out to some, um, uh, artists like musicians and stuff and see if they'll pre-record some short little concerts for us. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's just, that's kind of how it all morphed into being um, in, in terms of the podcast and the website and all of that. And we've grown uh, every year we've done this. We're at, we're on our third year now. We have seen really amazing growth. And last year we saw probably 200% growth on the website. We are now the largest website dedicated to superhero fiction we're 20 books away from 500 books on the website so um we're we're pretty excited we're pretty happy with the way that it's going um honestly which is magical 
you know, it for, is magical. For, for, <laughs> if, if for anything, to, you know, you walk out of 2020 in any success is six, you know, including like I wore pants today. Yes. You know, and, yes. and so to be able to say like, I built a thing, here's a thing. Yeah. Observe that's magic. So good. We good didn't on think you. we'd have any growth in 2020. We were like, it's been such a crappy year. And then, uh, Jeremy looked at the numbers. He's like, you're not going to believe this. And the only place we didn't grow, we had had, we tried out like a, a reader group on Facebook and that one we were like, wow, it was negative growth. Like people, were, <laughs> people have been leaving the group. We're like, okay, why don't we scrap that? Like that's, that's the one place where we're like, that's a waste of time. We're not going to do that. But everywhere we saw growth and we were shocked because it's, it was 2020. <laughs> I'm saying like, so, so let me ask you a, perhaps deliberately, you'll never know, um, novice question of what is a superhero? Define that for me. Oh, that's a good question. So, uh, this is a question that's caused some pretty big online fights in the, uh, author community in general. And I love, let me just say, by the way, I love nerd fights. Like they make make me so happy like when science twitter gets yelling at each other or whatever i'm like bring it so cool <laughs> like 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 tell me your nerd fight I, so I uh, there are a lot of authors that say no i can put my urban fantasy book with a kick-ass buffy the vampire slayer like hero in superhero fiction she's a superhero i love buffy i will go balls to the wall for buffy summers but she's not a superhero and here's why. So Jeremy, the, there's a genre called uh, lit RPG. I'm not going to get into what it is exactly, but it's the kind of genre that just a bunch of authors got together and they basically invented the genre. And in order to protect that genre and keep the boundary, like, and it sounds very exclusionary, but it's, it's not. Like there is a purpose behind setting clear genre boundaries within, especially in a new genre. So a bunch of them got together and they said, these are the definitions of lit RPG. These are the things that make up a lit RPG book. And Jeremy and I realized we don't have anything like that, really like a standard yet for superhero fiction. And that was one of the things that we set out to do when we created the website. And we we tossed around a bunch of different options. We pulled the professional authors that we knew. And when we say professional, we mean authors that have published three or more books in that genre um, and had various amounts of success. And so we pulled all of them and we said, okay, what is your definition of a, of superhero fiction? And out of that, we came up with a very simple test. We made it simple anyway. So if you think your book is a superhero book, here's a simple test. You take any iteration of the Avengers, any at all, from comics, movies, cartoons, whatever, any iteration of the Avengers. And if you can take two Avengers, from that team with their powers, backstories, personalities, basically changing nothing. And they can fit into your world that you have created. You got a superhero book. If you can't do that, you don't have a superhero book. This eliminates Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It eliminates Harry Potter. It eliminates anything. And and here's the other thing. Everybody knows what a superhero is. It's only when they want to kind of sneak in under the fence that they quibble about it, really. And having what we call the Avengers test, it opens it up to magical superheroes because you do have Doctor Strange. Um, You have Thor, who's mythological. But within that, you also have heroes like Hulk, 
Iron Man, Captain America. You've got X-Men who are mutants. So it, and, and everybody, virtually everybody in Marvel Comics has been an Avenger at one point or another. So it, it broadens it. It makes it available to a lot of different types of stories, but it also narrows the focus, which is what was needed to really define superhero prose fiction, not comic books, but, but actual novels that are original superhero worlds. So that's how we define it. And why not comic books? And also, as as a associated question, do graphic novels where do they fit in that world? So they those uh, graphic novels and comic books are um, are superhero, obviously. Um, a lot of most of them are. Some graphic novels don't have anything to do with superheroes, like Persephone and things like that. But the reason we don't include those on the website is because they're very discoverable on Amazon. There are a lot of places that you can go to find them. Prose superhero fiction is something of an outlier. Um, it's only been in the last probably five years that the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe has sparked uh, traditionally published long-form prose novels about superhero characters and that's both in the marvel and the dc universe so you know you have books about batgirl that are not there's no graphics in them there's no like panels it's just it's a prose novel but that's a fairly new thing and so we restrict it to prose fiction um because there's not a lot of attention brought to it and because it's it's difficult to specifically find that whereas Comic books and graphic novels are very easy to find. And in fact, there's not, we have not found a ton of crossover. Like if you really like to read comic books, it's because you generally speaking either don't like or you find it difficult to read prose fiction. And me personally, I love superheroes, but I find reading comic books really distracting for whatever reason. Like I, I'm a very slow comic book reader where I can like, devour a 250 page novel in less than a week so it's they're different audiences is is also another factor um but i mean we'll talk about comic books on mickey Garama podcast we have a segment called the poll list and jeremy talks about his his you know the comic books you must be reading right now and i'll talk about a book that you must be reading right now and so it's definitely a part of it but we just don't focus on it as like a, a sales kind of focus so effectively you're talking superhero fanfic sort of um fan fiction is more about writing your version of um like you want to write an iron man story and so you'll write iron man fan fiction when we say superhero fiction it is all original because we don't want to get mired into you know we don't want not that marvel would we're, we're not big enough for that but we don't want to get any copyright uh trouble and so the only thing that we have is it has to be an original universe. So for instance, um, my, my partner in all this, Jeremy Flagg, he has an original superhero universe. It's dystopian and uh, they are, it's genetic mutation. That's how his superheroes got powers because he's a huge X-Men fan. Um, so it has the, the feel of the X-Men, but it's not X-Men. It's all original. And that's the thing is we, as authors, we come up with all new original universes. 
yes, there will be shades of like, let's say Superman, or in my case, for my original trilogy, Batgirl, my, my main protagonist, you can definitely see a Batgirl like influence, but it's an original world. It's uh, original characters, all of that. So there's nothing, we do not accept fan fiction, unfortunately, um, for reasons like I just stated. And also because there are great websites, for for fan fiction um archive of our own being a, a very good one so I, 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 all of this is new to me, so like it's I'm not okay. trying to, no, I'm not trying to, to, I'm not trying to convince you to do any of that. It just, it's all fascinating no, no. to me. You know, I, I've been, I, I just went like I want to say five months without recording. Oh uh, wow! I know, Great. and it, it, it was. It, I had such a backlog that I didn't have to go five months without releasing episodes, but it was a long slog. And one thing that I was able to pull out of it in a positive way mm-hmm. is that it gave me time to sort of really rethink just what do I want to lean into? What, mm. what do I want to do? And, and because it, the answer is not so much that... I don't, I don't want to focus on specific topics or away from specific topics. You yeah. know, I, I don't want to change whatever my genre is mm-hmm. um, because I don't really have a genre and we can come back to that in a second. But, um, <laughs> but that it's, it's more, it's more just about, I want to ask more stupid questions. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Because yeah. it, it, I think, I think, all of us exist in a world where there are more assumptions than we realize. And so like the word superhero, yeah. right? That's, that's sort of in the zeitgeist. And you kind of think like, I know what a superhero is. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, 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 I'm writing it down and I'm like, I, I don't, I, I don't know that I'm right about this. <laughs> like, you might be. I mean, and it, but, but it's worth asking because yeah. you know, who knows? And so you said superhero romance, is that different? Again, so, or is that going to be a subgenre? So it's a great question. Um, technically, superheroes as a genre are a subgenre of science fiction and fantasy. But within superheroes, you can do any kind of story. We have superhero romance. We have superhero erotica. We have superhero thriller, action adventure, mystery, urban fantasy, horror. I mean young adults, children, middle grade, we've got it all. Um, and so it's basically, it's a romance book. I, the, the closest adjacent thing I can compare it to, uh, at least from what I am doing and from the, the ones that I've read, is paranormal romance, but with superheroes, with a superhero world. So not necessarily witches, werewolves, and vampires, but people that, you know, have super strength and can create force fields. <laughs> um, and it's romance. So generally speaking, you're going to have a happily ever after or a happy for now. You're going to have, depending on sweet or steamy, you're going to have sex or you're going to have just a, a sweet little kiss at the end. Um, again, we have both of those on our website. We just, at the end of last year, started... Um, including erotica as a tag and subgenre on the website. However, uh, to keep it family friendly, erotica new releases do not end up on the homepage like the other new releases because we just couldn't in good conscience do that. But 
finding erotica on our website is 10 times easier than finding it on Amazon because it's literally like you go down to the pull down menu, you hit erotica and you're taken right to it. Um, so it's, you can put anything on a superhero story. I mean, that's the great thing about it. You can make it a noir detective story if you wanted to. Um, you can make it a horror story. You can make it silly, comedic, outlandish if you wanted to. Um, that's one of the things I love about superheroes. You can just, you can add all the different toppings you want. It's like a sundae. It's like vanilla ice cream. You can put whatever you want on it. Um, but it has to have the vanilla ice cream to be superhero kind of a thing. Well, and that's, you know, from the world that I come from, you know, the things that I love are, are, you know, it's been a long time since I've watched TV or movies because of my hearing. Uh, but when I have and when i choose to it's for the the humanity of it the uh-huh. I, I i boobs and explosions are great like that's fine <laughs> i i'm i'm all for those but to hold my attention like that that put that in the first five minutes and and, and i'm done i you know i put that in the trailer and i'm good like great <laughs> but if you want to hold my attention for a a feature length film or a you know full length book there needs to be the humanity the little you know it's not about the 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 blowing things up it's it's about the the human emotion and the mm-hmm. the smaller nuance that yeah. catches me and that's kind of it sounds like what you're talking about is that instead of calling superhero meaning boobs and explosions it's Meaning that there are these enhanced figures, these characters uh-huh. with some extra, but that they are still in fundamental ways human. Yes. In fact, some of the best, in my opinion, the superhero genre is one of the best genres to examine humanity. Um, you can ask some really fascinating questions about um the responsibilities of power, the responsibilities of being a human being um, with the ability to affect profound change. What's your responsibility with that? Do you have one? Do you owe anybody anything? Um, and we have novels on superhero fiction that, that dive deep into those issues. Some of them do it while also having, you know, um, explosions. Some of them do it uh, with characters that are anti-heroes. We have a whole subset of, of novels that focus on the anti-hero trope. Um, some of them do it with some really graphic violence, like my my partner Jeremy Flagg, his books, they have some very deep themes, but they're also incredibly violent. <laughs> um, and I, I feel like superheroes are great for that. They're great for talking about the human condition. Um, and, and, and I, in a broader sense, all stories are, I mean, I love a good, good steamy romance is probably as much as the next person, but the ones that really stick with me, they don't have to be super long, but they have to grab my heart because of the characters that they have to be relatable in a way. And the only way to do that is to, to bring out the humanity there. Yeah. They have to have some flaws and some doubts and some, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Um, do you get feedback? I'm trying to I'm trying to word it nicely, and I may not succeed. Oh, go ahead. Um, do you get feedback from people from 
who are dicks, basically, <laughs> you know, saying like, it's time to grow up. Why are you still reading stuff like this? It's, this is for children. Superheroes are not for adults. Do you get, do you get that kind of bullshit? Not that kind. Um, the reason though, I, I originally published under my, my name, Trish, but superheroes are a boys club. Um, Amazon categorizes it under the fantasy uh, heading, but really I feel like it fits better into science fiction and it's a very male dominated genre. Um, And you will get, I've gotten reviewers being upset that my female protagonist um, wasn't smacked down hard enough by the men in her life. She took charge too much or she was too mouthy or, any number of different things. Um, I've had reviews be way harsher on my books than they were on my male colleagues. I've had men stalk me online. I've had them, um, when I did Facebook ads, I would have them uh, do sexually, they would leave sexually inappropriate comments on my ads. Whereas my male colleagues ads would get, Oh my God, this sounds awesome. What's the power set? Like actually get engagement. So I get, a. I mean, there is sexism as a woman in this genre. I get a lot of sexism. I don't, I've never gotten the criticism that I'm being a child though. I've never gotten that. It's more like trying to control the woman in, in, in the, in the genre. And there are women, like there are some wonderful female authors in this genre and I'm on the hunt for more and more of them. Um, but it's still very male dominated. So I mean, I get more of that. And when I changed to my initials, it was a very deliberate choice not to hide my genre necessarily, but unfortunately there is still a need to make it more palatable, um, mm-hmm. um to readers. So, well, and I guess that's, a, 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 a... Uh, unfortunately in our, in the patriarchy, there's an infantilizing of women. Yeah. To, to large degrees. So I guess, I guess it's, I guess maybe rather than talking about adult to child, it's more about, do do you have efforts to pigeonhole and to, to, to direct that like, yeah, I was going to say direct that like girls don't do superhero. Um, I get talked down to a lot. I get mansplained a lot. Uh, Not so much as I used to. Uh, The group of authors we have are are generally pretty, are pretty good. Um, But when we first started out and then other groups that I've been in, I've been mansplained the superhero genre like you wouldn't believe. And I'm like, "Um, I don't read as many comics as you do, but I know my shit. Thank you very much. (laughs) You know, I'm always up for learning. That's never a problem, but you don't get to talk down to me. And in a broader sense, I still get talked down to as an independent publisher and a businesswoman. You know, I run a publishing company. Sure, I'm the only author in that publishing company, but I run a business and I know how to run my business. Um, I've had to, I've put in a lot of work learning that and I still get talked down to by guys who think that they know better than me, what I should be doing, how sexy my hero should be on the cover. Um, If I just showed a little cleavage no, thanks. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I understand. I mean, nothing against female authors who do have that on their cover. There's a female author I just met that um, she and this is the other balancing act. She's actually gotten criticism that her superhero is too sexy on her cover. And it's a it's a choice. And, and she's def- she's had to go and defend her choice to have a sexy female hero on her cover to both men and women, because there were some women that had problems with it, too. And I'm looking at that and I'm like. This is ridiculous. 
you know, it's, it, we shouldn't have to uh, justify our existence in spaces, you know what I mean? Or our choices, if, as long as they're not hurting anybody, our choices within those spaces. Um, but yeah, it's, I kind of, I kind of, I'll message my friend Jeremy and I'll be like, oh, look what I got today. And he's like, eh, what a dick, brush it off. And I'm getting better at it. It doesn't really, you know, it doesn't send me into a rage like it used to. It doesn't make me feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe I'm not serious. Um, I did have that. Like, I will say my decision, um, my decision to write romance is a fairly new one. Uh, I've always loved kissing books, as they're called. I've always loved romance. I just, I, I, I love that. I grew up on it. But when I first started out in the superhero genre, I thought to be taken seriously by my male colleagues, I really needed to suppress my instincts to put romance in my books. Um, and that's an old thing, honestly, in fandom. You'll find it in fan fiction. You'll find it in... When female fans uh, talk about their love of a fandom and if they bring up a relationship like, you know, in Doctor Who or in terms of the X-Men, their favorite X-Men couple, they get looked on, like, like they get looked down on by male fans as, oh, you, you know, you're not a serious fan. You just like the kissing or whatever. And so I had that running in my head, in my subconscious. So I decided I'm going to be taken seriously. And I need to not have a lot of that. I mean, there is romance in that first trilogy, but it's downplayed quite a bit until the last book. And this last uh, summer, I had to go through, I went through a big rebranding. I recovered my books, um, had my website completely redesigned. And my podcast partner, Jeremy, he's like, you know, he does, he does a lot of graphic marketing as a job. And so he took me in hand and he was basically like, you don't have a brand. You need to figure out your brand. And we talked a lot about it, talked about what I wanted, what I liked. And I realized I had been suppressing that romance, that love, honestly, of the genre. I had been hiding it. I'd been ashamed of it. And we had a long talk about that. And he's like, you know what? You don't have anything to prove to anybody. And I was like, you're right. I don't. And so I started unpacking it and realizing I want to do this. I want to pivot um, towards more romance in my stories. I want to own that part of my creative identity. And once I did, it was like a lid got blown off for me, um, for my writing, for the direction of my career. Because I felt like I'd been spinning my wheels. It's, you know, superhero genre is hard enough to market as it is. But for whatever reason, I was having such a hard time kind of getting through and but it was like the once I said yes to that part of my creative self that I had been hiding away, everything else started breaking loose. And I realized, you know what? It it doesn't matter. I can't let what these fanboys think control what I want to do. I'm going to tell the story I want to tell, and I'm still going to tell the urban fantasy stories that are a bit lighter on the romance. Maybe take it more of a takes longer to develop. I still have those stories I want to tell, but I have these other stories too that I want to tell with lots of kissing and sex. So I'm going to write those too. Um, and it's just been a real, like, kind of finding the uh, my whole identity as a creator um, and working through those stories that we internalize 
about what we can and can't do, what we should and shouldn't like as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really long answer to that question. No, I mean, there's the parallel in my own life as a podcaster is, you know, I started as true crime and true crime has a lot of self-reflected ideas about what it is and isn't. Mm-hmm. And I would get feedback that I wasn't true crime enough that I was like true crime adjacent. And I'm like, I'm a fucking forensic psychologist. Like, <laughs> I, I've literally worked in, in courts and, and testified in court yeah. and, and I worked at a prison and I worked at like, wh- how, Hmm. Yeah. Okay. You know, and, but because true crime has these very clear ideas about what it is and isn't. And part of that is a spectator view of the system rather than the insider view. And uh, a a close friend of mine, um, she's a defense attorney, an active practicing defense attorney and, and was covering cases and was covering like the law behind it and really kind of getting Uh granular into the, the cases. And she was being told you're not true crime enough. And I was just like, you, Oh, okay. And, (laughs) and, uh, you know, for a long time, that was very frustrating to me because yeah. I felt like, okay, I have to talk about certain things and I can't talk about other things. And when mm-hmm. I did go outside that script, I felt bad. I felt wrong. I felt yep. judged. I got reviews that were unpleasant and, and whatever. And so at some point, maybe six months in, give or take, I kind of leaned back and was like, okay, well, what if I wasn't true crime? Mm-hmm. Instead of staying inside the genre and trying to fight the genre and change what it thinks it is, mm-hmm. exactly. what if what if I step out? And now you you were talking about the importance of definition of a genre and mm-hmm. that it's not exclusionary. And I it was internally flailing because <laughs> that's kind of where I'm where I sat. That's that's what got me stuck is that I didn't have a genre that I could move into because I'm not really anything else. I'm not really an interview show because I talk too much. And <laughs> oh, like I'm not making that up. Like <laughs> that is, that is a, that is a truth. I accept this. And I'm not really a like mental health psychology show mm-hmm. because I'm not lecturing. And also because I, I'm having guests on mm-hmm. and also because there are episodes that have nothing to do with mental health. Yeah. And so like, I'm not any one thing. And I had to make that decision that there is not a genre for me. And so the problem for that is that that means I operate in the, in the sphere that is called society and culture, which is this huge undefined genre and basically what it means is all the shit we can't fit anywhere else goes here (laughs) and i would love to have more direct competition i would love you know i love listening to a good conversation thoughtful people even if i'm not in it like even if i don't have the chance to talk i still i really enjoy that and i i I would love for there to be more than that more of that because i feel like human connection yes absolutely you know a magical thing but there's not it's just not a thing and Mm -hmm. boy am i way too lazy to to trailblaze 
<laughs> try to create a new genre. Like, I mean, it took uh, uh, the 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 genre of true crime didn't exist until t- like 2019. Oh my god, you're kidding! It, it wasn't a thing on Amazon. It all true crime just sat within society and culture, and you know, alongside. Oh, that's weird, a, right? And and so when it, it was fascinating when they created the genre, suddenly yeah. there were there were sent. There's a more of a sense of like what it was and what it wasn't, and that's uh-huh. helpful because there are people who want to just stay within a genre and mm-hmm. absorb all of their media from a given genre. And I don't judge that. And I, I get it. Yeah. Sometimes you don't know what you want. And so you want to be able to say, bring me, like I can, you know, bring me to science fiction, audio drama, bring me to historical podcasts. Like I can do that. Yeah. But it, until 2019, you couldn't say, bring me to true crime and reliably get true crime. Was, I didn't realize it was that young. I kn- it's been around forever. Well, it's just because they're really loud and they've taken over the podcast space in a lot of ways. <laughs> so, like, that's the problem. And, and, and it's sensationalistic and it's kind of gross. Like, not all of it. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's cathartic when the world feels like it's falling apart. Like, in a weird way, it's cathartic to see stories that are, like, distant from you where things are falling apart, I think. I don't know. Yeah, well, there's, a, there's, a, about that. there's a lot about it. You know, yeah, there's a, there's a meme that, that I just was looking at yesterday that was like, I'm so stressed out about the news that I'm going to go watch a serial killer documentary, you know, yeah. and that's, <laughs> that there's a, there's a friend that literally that's her comfort food is serial killer documentaries. I, you know, and that's, <laughs> I, I totally, I, I get that. Like hardcore, I get that. There's a, a voyeurism and a schadenfreude and, and an ickiness to it mm-hmm. but now that collectively we've admitted that that's a thing like we're really into that thing now and we're gonna yeah. own it and that's fine. like ultimately it's fine there are subgenres of true crime that i don't enjoy yeah listening to um i i i think i can i can only think of one comedy true crime podcast that i enjoy that would be hard i would right? think and yeah. it is hard. And I talk, I'm very close with the, um, with the, with the creator, uh, shout out to Tara. From, it's called Bloody Murder and they're out of Australia. And she works so hard. And, you know, there are rules about we don't mock mental health. We don't mock mm-hmm. victims in any sort of way. You have to be able to mock aspects of the perpetrator, but not if the perpetrator has. Mm-hmm. mental health issues wow. you know, like do you know what i'm saying like she's very yeah. careful in it but most other uh comedy true crime shows that i've heard and you'd be appalled how common it is it's it's the the genre of a couple of women sitting down and drinking and talking you know reading a wikipedia article basically like that's kind of <laughs> what <laughs> there's a history podcast that's basically that that i yeah. love but that's like talking about history that's not talking about serial killers oh there's a lot so, of that you know it's okay wow. and it, it, it's a whole thing and and in a lot of them the taste level is not one that i am comfortable with that being yeah. said i don't want it to stop existing yeah because there's a lot that is not to my taste mm-hmm. that like like i got i have no interest in professional wrestling none <laughs> zero i would yeah. i guess i guess i feel an interest as a member of society i would like the wrestlers to have better access to health care and be treated 
as regular employees rather than contracted performers. Yes. Yes. Like from a humanity standpoint, you want them treated with respect, but like from but a, like, beyond that, I could not give, yeah. I could not give less of a shit about who does what or whatever. Like yeah. I know I, I, I had to go look up like who John Cena was when the memes about it's John Cena started hitting the scene a couple of years ago. <laughs> like, and, and I'm uh, the same I, way. I was I, like, who is this? You know, and it's not, it's not just that I don't care. It's that I don't want to, you know, yeah, and, and that's fine. Cup of tea. And, but I don't want that to go away just because yeah. it's not my thing. I, I don't want it to disappear. And so likewise with these genres of true crime, I don't want them to go away. But it, there was a conscious decision on my part to move myself away mm-hmm. that because I do lean into comedy and not deliberate you know we're not scripted here but yeah but i do it, it is okay to laugh on my show it's expected for, for yeah. people to uh, i would hope you know laugh or cry right there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> those are sort of my my two episodes and i i want that to be okay yeah and, and so it meant stepping out and, and you know changing and there's still i don't remember where it is now on one of the podcatchers i'm still showing up as true crime as one of my genres oh that's weird and i can't get rid of it and i don't know why or how and i mean we're talking three years in and i still i'm like well you know frustrating yeah and so i i I mean nobody has complained about it and you know they they would if it was a really big deal they just leave snotty reviews instead and that's fine like they leave snotty reviews because i am not the true crime that they thought they were going to get yeah no they're not reviewing the fact that I'm placed wrong in the, mm-hmm. in, in, in the map, you know, yeah. but so I don't, I, I don't at all think that definition of a genre is exclusionary. I think it helps creators mm-hmm. find other creators. You know, there's, there's nothing that, that sort of jazzes me up mentally more than, than talking to somebody else who loves the things that I love. Yeah. You know, exactly. and, and to, to really sort of understand each other and be like, oh, you and me, we're yeah. in this. Mm, yes. You, you get it. You get me. <laughs> you know, and that's magical. And the, the easiest way to find that is if we're both in the same genre and we're both yeah. in the same space, yeah. you know, digitally or physically. Because someday humans will be in the same space physically again. <laughs> Again, someday. Someday. Well, and if you're looking for like a particular kind of show or book or audiobook or podcast, like you want to absorb that material and you go looking for it, like, you know, if you're looking for a superhero book and you go to Amazon, I mean, literally, I've seen textbooks in that genre. And I'm just like, what is this even doing here? It's a dumping ground, to be honest. And that was. As a creator, that was super frustrating. Like, I get it. Some people really do think Buffy is a superhero, and I can understand why. She's pretty kick-ass, you know? And people were like, well, witches are superheroes because of uh, what the Marvel Cinematic Universe did to the character of Scarlet Witch. And there is an argument to be had there. I disagree, but, you know, okay. But when the genre is just, like I said, like textbooks and... Um, horror and erotica and you're just like okay but none of these have superheroes and I'm like that's enough to be wearing a cape and cowl but you know some semblance would be nice um and I you know there is something to be st- said for 
having um, a boundary, like art flourishes within a boundary. Boundaries don't have to be constrictive. They can be freeing, actually. Um, as a creator, you have, you know, your parameters. Like I've been learning a lot about the romance genre and the things that you must have. If it's a romance book, a happily ever after or a happy for now is a must. You don't do that. They will come at you with pitchforks and torches. <laughs> like it's not a game. Um, you cannot have cheating. That's a big no-no. That's like a huge rule breaker right there. Um, you cannot have non-consensual sexual activities. Like don't even go there. Don't even do it adjacently. Um, you know, it's, there are very clear rules, but within those rules, within those boundaries, there's a lot of freedom. There's a lot of space to play. You can have your hero and heroine be virtually any kind of person you want, um, as long as you stay within the genre conventions. And there's, I don't know, I, I think, it, I feel like it's kind of, it's helpful. Like, I like trying to figure out, okay, how do I make this unique in here? Well, um, I think you're, you're, you're talking... It, 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 maybe in another way of wording it is like I'm a knitter right mm -hmm. and when I started you kind of have certain expectations about what this is what this craft is yeah. and then you learn you know there are people who like lace knitting or to like to mm -hmm. make socks or like to make sweaters or whatever and, and so and, and I kind of figured like that would be the extent of the, the split off you know the the corporate yeah. chart of, of yeah. knitting would be like yeah. that, you know, but but there's there's a bunch of other splits and 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 so on. And one of them that's fascinating to me is you are either a process knitter or a product knitter. And so huh. there are close friends of mine whose sanity I otherwise do not question, <laughs> who have whole boxes and bags of sweaters or blankets or whatever where they had created all of the individual pieces okay but just never sewn them together they're done with the knitting and they're like i don't like sewing together i hate finishing i'm not going to do it i'm going to cast on for something new and oh my god can you, like, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm so much more practical minded that, that when yeah. I first learned about that, I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Are you OK? Like thoughts and prayers. <laughs> and, and then realizing, like, that's totally valid. You can do that. Yeah. You know, it, 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 there are. So that's those are process knitters. Those are they like okay. the process, the, the feel and the, well, they don't care about the result. The product. No, not at all. Oh exactly. And then you have other product knitters who are so focused on the end result that they, you know, sometimes they, they lose the art of it or mm. they cannot deviate from a pattern by a single stitch because oh, wow. their goal is to reproduce yep. a product, you know, and so mm -hmm. like there's sort of, there's people that are on either end of that spectrum and, and I get it. And, and and I feel like, to an extent, there's a, there's a parallel to be drawn here between writers. You can be a process writer, mm -hmm. where where wherein just write your story, and yeah. don't worry about the elements that are or are not in it. Don't worry about whether the sex is consensual or not. Don't worry about whether the 
hero is super or not. Just <laughs> write the story that you want to write, right? And yeah. th- that's process writing. Yeah, you know that's that's yeah. creating based solely on what you want to do, and you can when you are done with it, you can light a match and set uh-huh. it on fire, or you can put it away in a drawer. You can mm-hmm. you know do nothing to ever finish it, and that's yeah totally valid. Absolutely. And then on the other end, the, the sort of product writers, mm-hmm. I feel like if you want to, if you want to get your work out to the world, you have to be focused on the production side in some yes. way. Like you have to, if you're a knitter, you have to finish your work. If you want to show it at a, mm-hmm. you know, at a craft fair, or if you want to sell it, or even if you want to give it away, you yeah. know, as a gift, you have to finish what you made in order for someone to benefit from it Uh and likewise with with writing if you want to sell the way the industry works Uh you have to have a genre you have to you have to have certain elements in order to fit in the genre and Uh you have to not have other elements in order to fit in the genre and if you're not going to do that you're not going to sell your book yeah and And so there's it's a certain amount of selling out sort of or or not so much selling out but it's it's acknowledging someone else's structure yeah it is and it's not what i what i've learned the hard way it's not just about what's between the covers of the book it's the whole entire package Mm -hmm. and if you decide to go as an author if you decide to go with a traditional publisher they're going to make those decisions for you in terms of the cover the blurb even what your name is sometimes um a lot of female authors and if you're a man wanting to write romance, you'll get this, but that's the only time a male author ever gets it is uh, sometimes the publishing house will say, you have to have a, a pen name. You know, no one's going to buy a science, a hardcore science fiction book by a woman, which is total bullshit, but whatever. Um, but even as an indie, you know, a lot of, some people think going in an independent route means that you can buck all the, that tradition and all that, those expectations. Well, if you don't care about making money, yes, go ahead, buck it all you want. Make your cover in MS Paint and put that up there, you know, go crazy. But if you are actually going to want to make a career out of this, then you need to do your due diligence and you're going to need to wear two hats as an indie. You need to or the hat of the creator, which is the, the one that creates the story and it's all it's all the magic, it's the sparkles. And then you need to wear the hat that's the publisher. And the publisher needs to be dispassionate about the creative side of it in the sense of doesn't matter if this cover isn't what you had in your head. This cover fits all the genre expectations. And uh, a reader looks at your cover, they're going to know exactly what to expect. It doesn't matter if you don't like your blurb. But does your blurb have the uh, genre expected tropes mentioned? Is it short, sweet, and to the point? If it if it does, then it, you need to use it because it's a selling tool. It doesn't it doesn't matter if your creative brain is like, but no, put on your dispassionate publisher's brain and approach it like that. And I had to learn that the hard way. The covers that I have now are my third set of covers. And that was not a pleasant experience. Um, you know, I, I loved my original covers. They're beautiful pieces of art, but they're, they're not correct for book covers, especially for the urban fantasy subgenre of superhero. If I'm going to sell an urban fantasy as a superhero author, I have got to hit the tropes on the cover and I've got to hit the tropes for urban fantasy in the blurb. 
and it took heartache and losing money and losing my mind to really just finally throw up my hands and say, okay. And when I did that, the result was tangible. I actually started selling again. I started getting page reads again. I started getting reviews again. And those, the covers I have now are great. I think they're really nice. They're great covers. Um, do the characters on the cover look like the characters between the pages? Not really. I mean, those super suits really don't match. They don't have to. Does it say superhero? Yeah. Does it, does it have an urban background? Yeah. Does it have a woman and two guys on the cover doing cool stuff? Yeah. Okay. Well then it's fine. (laughs) That's that's what you need. (laughs) You know, that's, it's, I, I, I have, I, you know, because I do have to do promotion, obviously for my, for my show. And I have to, I have to accept that, especially not having, not being a true crime show, for instance, means that there are certain phrases and certain like voices that I mm-hmm. can't use in my my promo, for instance. You know, I can't. You know, you, do you know what I mean? Like, I can't yeah. have a promo that's like coming at you now from like you know that that dark <laughs> yeah. like this brooding. Week, we'll talk. She had no idea. Like, I can't do that. Like, I, yeah. I have to have a certain more sort of open and direct approach. To how I do things, and and I had to re recreate about a year ago now. Um, I was a fine. I, I had made enough money that I was able to commission my own music. Nice. Which I I I, I first of all I love it be, because I love it. Um, shout out to Jake for that. But also, I, you know, any any questions of using a Creative Commons. Mm-hmm. bit of music that had just been out there that I had just sort of used as a placeholder to begin with that's gone the music that I have now I own so that is awesome that's very exciting right and so kind of when I did that was when I, I sort of went through a rebranding um and that included a new promo for me mm-hmm. and so the the first promo that I used leaned into many of the tropes of the true crime mm-hmm. world and I, when I started creating the second one, I, I was trying to just sort of re-record the first one basically with my new music. And then I was like, no, I have to throw that out and I have to yeah. entirely redefine my elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. And when I talk to new podcasters, you know, they'll ask me, what do I do? Get started. What do mm-hmm. you suggest? And right now I have my two big suggestions are that first of all, get an elevator pitch yeah. that that distinguishes you from other shows in your genre, mm-hmm. but that makes it very clear to a listener mm-hmm. what they're going to get, because you don't want them to listen to just one episode. You want them to come back. You want them to hit yep. subscribe. And so here's what should go in a promo and here's what should not. And mm-hmm. I've listened to a lot of promos and I've spoken to a lot of people. And so I feel like I'm not just making shit up, but if you don't like yeah. what I'm saying, that's fine. That's fair. Yeah, exactly. But, but here's the, you know, is, 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 so one part is make a promo and that by making a promo, you're establishing yourself uh-huh. within, within whatever genre you're in. And, and you're narrowing down, you're, you're really narrowing down who you are. You're defining who you are, who your podcast is, which exactly. can be really difficult. And who you're not. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And, and it can change, you know, and, and that's yeah. what you tell them. It's like, just because you make one promo, like I've, I've had three over the course yeah, of, exactly. of time. And the first one was like, I have no idea what to say. I just, somebody said I should make one of these. And so here, <laughs> and 
I love know, it. And so it's, I've gotten better at it over time and I have a sense of what to do and how to do it now. And so cool. Great. Um, but that, that's one, my other piece of advice that I give to people, by the way, is the marshmallow trick. Have you learned that yet? It's magic. And I'm telling everyone right now, because I, I don't think I've ever heard of it. What is it? Okay. Mouth noises, right? Nobody, yeah. people don't like mouth noises. The ASMR, the smacking and the oh yes, clicking yes. and just the, the sort of ickiness that happens when on yeah, yeah. the saliva it, sounds basically. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The icky ones. Those are the ones. Yep. Um, if you eat a marshmallow before recording, that doesn't happen. Right. Really? Uh, right. It's unreal. It's because they're, they're made of gelatin. Oh. And so they sort of coat your mouth yeah. enough. And I now, hate marshmallows. Uh, same. I'm so pissed <laughs> off that it works. I'm so mad. I'm so mad that it works because I what I wanted to do was be like, look, I tried it. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. fuck right off they're disgusting go away <laughs> and, and, and it does work and i'm oh, so mad and so i have a little, i have a little box of them for right before i record oh my god that is so random i'm saying and so like those are the two pieces of advice i have for people right now and i'm like otherwise like i got a lot more you know yeah and in in if you really you don't want to overwhelm them, though. Like exactly. You. Yeah. I, I can sit down and hit you with all kinds of other shit, but really, <laughs> yep. it's, and, and the second one really falls more under the, the broader category of mic etiquette. Of learn yeah. how to speak, learn mm-hmm. how to do very basic audio. Like, I'm not, I'm, I'm deaf. Like, I'm not good at audio editing, mm-hmm. but I've learned the basics. And, and then you can, yeah. It's yeah. it's it's not that difficult, and and keep learning. Like, mm-hmm. don't feel like you know. I'm not, like I've got it good enough now, so I'm just gonna. That's a very true crime way to look. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, it's the same with new authors. Like, I'm in some groups with new. We're all in a different spot, but there you get a lot of new authors. Like, okay, I wrote my book. What do I do now? And. There's a lot of, there's a, there's a lot you could tell a new author, but then there are some basics like you need a newsletter, you need, you need a cookie to entice people onto your newsletter, you need a basic website, you know, practice writing your blurb. I have over a dozen versions of my first book's blurb because I'm constantly rewriting it. I just, this last version I put up with the new covers and this summer, and I think it's one I'm probably going to keep for a long time because it's working really well, but it's the same thing you were talking about. It's like, there are some basics, get your basics, get your foundation down. Um, don't ever think, you know, oh, I've got it good enough or, or don't panic. Like people think, oh, I've got to put my blurb up and it has to be perfect. No, it doesn't. It has to be good enough for right now. And then practice writing it. You know, you can change it. That's the great thing about being indie. You could change all your stuff every day if you wanted to. I don't recommend it, but you know, you're not locked in like you are with a publishing house. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I love talking. It sounds like you love talking to new podcasters. I love talking to new authors. I love, I love helping and giving advice and being like, okay, this is what I learned. Like this, these are the mistakes I made. Don't make those mistakes. You know? yeah, go find your own mistakes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's, that's the thing is that I feel like, you know, I'm like, it's a, in, in the world of podcasting being three years in, um, being 300 episodes uh, by the time this episode comes out, I will have 
surpassed 600,000 downloads. And so. Oh my God, that's awesome. I, I, it's, it feels insane. Like I, I say the words and I'm like, I, I understand all of the words, but I don't understand them in that order. You know yeah. I mean? like, yeah. It hasn't sunk in. <laughs> it, no, not at all. But so I feel like I, I don't know all of the things, but I know some things. Mm-hmm. And exactly. I'm not going out proselytizing i'm not i'm not witnessing to people you know i'm not like (laughs) trying i'm not knocking on doors like do you want oh you're a new podcaster can i give you advice because i I, it's only help if it's asked for you know otherwise it's interference and so i I try to remember that but at the same time if somebody does ask do you have any tips or tricks or advice i'm like yes Mm -hmm. yes i do how many do you want exactly you know and and often the when when they ask they're like do you have any tips it's an offhand comment and they don't understand that i could talk about this all day so those are my two it's like get get an elevator pitch yeah you know in promo form to get played on other podcasts but also just in spoken form for when you're you know somebody says oh you know like literally when you're my kid's dentist listens to my show Oh my God, that is awesome. <laughs> you know, and <laughs> it was, it killed me when I found out because I was just like, what, what the fuck, man? Like, <laughs> and, and, uh, and he was talking to me about it. He's like, yeah, I, I, is, is that you? And I'm like, I guess, I mean, tell me if you like the show first and I'll tell you if it's me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only if you like it, then it's me. <laughs> then it's me. But, um. But then while he was, we were talking about it, his assistant looks at me and she goes, what's your show about? And I was like, that's the, like I had an out-of-body experience in that moment. But that's the kind of moment, whether it's something like that, where it's literally out in the wild and just be ready. Or if you're going to go to a conference or if you introduce yourself in a new Facebook group, Mm -hmm. um, join retweet groups on Twitter, Mm -hmm. um, discord servers things like that like anytime you sort of walk into a new sphere they're mostly really welcoming and there's a lot of places that will help you in a lot of ways but you got to do some of the lifting yourself and some of that is know how to introduce yourself have an Mm -hmm. elevator pitch Mm -hmm. you know where that in 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 a minute or two sometimes less like there's yeah whatever but in 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 a clear way let me know what you are about mm-hmm. yeah. you know that that if your you know you, you if your website was i fuck, i don't know marshmallows.com then <laughs> i don't know what you're about right? yeah exactly and exactly you got to have some compelling reason for that weird name otherwise because the, the more creative your name is the more explanation you're going to have to do yeah, it, 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 it might make a great hook, but then once you hook them, you got to you got to concisely tell them what they've been hooked into. Otherwise, it's a waste. Exactly. And so have that and eat marshmallows. <laughs> like those are... And I start with that and I'm like, once you've absorbed what I just told you, yeah, and you don't exactly. have to do it. Just try it. Or think yeah. about it or, or, or decide I'm insane and don't. That's fine. That's all fine. Those are all yeah. valid. But then come back and I have more. But those are my exactly. sort of opening salvos to people. I try not to 
you'll find a lot of opinions in author groups. Some authors like, oh, you have to do ads. And some authors like, oh, don't do ads at all. Or, um, But it's funny, no matter what people disagree about, having a newsletter, I would say the vast majority of authors, if not every single author that actually is making a go at this as a business, they will say, yeah, you have to have a newsletter. Now, they'll all disagree about how often to email people and what you put in it or what you, sh- you know, what you should do with it. But all of them say, yeah, you should have one. And it is funny, like that is one of the only things that most authors will agree on marketing wise. Everything else is sometimes a battleground. And I just kind of step back. I'm like, okay, <laughs> not getting involved here. It's not worth it. <laughs> Well, and like I said, I, I really enjoy when when nerds argue. Like it makes me happy when when, when <laughs> and it's not nerds specifically. It's just often that's those are the arguments that I get to watch happen. But when when people who are really invested in a niche in some mm-hmm. way or in a specific activity in some way, yeah. and when they are passionate about what they do and they want you know they feel like they found the way and they uh, encounter someone else who has a different true way and mm-hmm. the two like man i love that it's not it is a degree of mocking the nerds but it's also just like i want people to get excited about what they're doing oh yeah absolutely and authors are a passionate bunch they really are. I don't, I don't mind the passionate discussions. I, I do sometimes get aggravated because the whole discussion about ads, I mean, it's a very contentious thing. And you'll have these authors that have, you know, 40 books out that, you know, so that's a huge backlist. And they say, oh, you can't sell, you know, you have to do ads on a, on a new series. You have to. But they're coming at it from the point of view of they have a bunch of books in their backlist that will, help keep them afloat essentially like but uh, you know because they're losing money on those ads on that new series because they don't have enough traction there yet but it doesn't matter because they have 30 other books that are making them money whereas somebody just starting out that only has two books you tell them to do that they're going to go bankrupt and so that's where i get pissy (laughs) is when and i'm not i i honestly do not think that these really further down the road authors are trying to sabotage anybody. I think that they've kind of forgotten what it was like, honestly. Um, And I don't want, like, I know the experience of being a new author and crying because you're following what all these authors are telling you and you're losing money. I remember that experience. And now that I have some distance from, from that and a little bit more experience, I know why I was losing money and I don't want other people to go through that. It's, it's disheartening and discouraging. And if I didn't have the people around me that I did, I might have quit because of it. And so when those things start happening, then I'm like, okay, how do I jump into this without, how do I jump into it and make it better and not make it worse? And that's like really the hard part is because some of these authors are like, you know, they get offended because they feel like you're, you're this young pup coming in and, and shitting on their 15 years of experience. And, you know, I never want to do that because I don't like when people do it to me. I don't want to do it to other people. Um, But I also want to offer perspective because I think, you know, like I said, you get so far down the, the road in success. Sometimes you forget, oh yeah, when I was starting out, that didn't quite, you know, that didn't fit then. Right. Telling you what I do is not as helpful as telling you what I did. Exactly. 
Exactly. And I've appreciated the, the people in the author communities that have been forthright with me about that, that have basically said, you shouldn't be doing this right now because you don't have an, you don't have enough experience. You don't have enough books out. And does it suck to kind of hear that? Yeah, it does. Like, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear just go write the next book. I was aggravated by that. But once I stopped being aggravated and throwing a little tantrum, um, I saw the wisdom in that. And I'm so glad somebody told me the hard truths on occasion because I'd rather, I'd rather get annoyed and frustrated than not know and then throw up my hands and quit or cry because I, I don't understand what I'm doing wrong, you know? Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I think the reason that all of this appeals to me so much is that Trish is able to use metaphor and these ideas of humanity in a way that make a lot of sense to me. And I just, I don't see myself as being able to create a superhero myself, but I entirely could see Trish going on to become a psychologist if she wanted to. So, you know, one way or another, we could swap roles in some capacity, right? So Trish, thank you. I really appreciate I just enjoy talking to you every time, and I hope we can do so again. Thank you guys for listening. And one of the reasons that this intro and outro is kind of short is because I've sort of overextended myself this week. I didn't schedule anything at all. And that's because I got the second vaccine last week, which is woo. And 
I feel I wasn't sure how I was going to feel. It turns out I feel fine, which is lovely. And me being me, which means not being great at things like self-care, I decided to overextend instead by starting a new project. And that is a TikTok. I know, right? Get off my lawn. But I've had several different people ask how to start a podcast or whether their podcast is good or whatever. And, you know, rather than repeating myself or missing things, because the bigger issue is missing things for me, I decided, let me just start a series of explanations for this checklist that I use. So if you go on my website, iwbpodcast.com slash podcast dash checklist. That's what it looks like. Or on TikTok, I'm at IWB podcast. And it's just me giving a primer on how to start a podcast. I'm up to 20 of them so far. So it's both a lot and just getting started because podcasting is super wicked complicated. But it's a lot of fun. Terrifying because camera, but also there's not much in the way of editing to be done. It just takes a lot of time for me because being deaf, I feel obligated to put captions on the videos and that slows the whole process way down. But so they're there, they're on TikTok and they're TikTok. Jesus Christ, get off my lawn. They're on TikTok and they are captioned. Speaking of captioning as well, I am starting the process. I've talked to some friends and working out a a flow so that we can get my backlog captioned. I apologize to anyone who is deaf or hard of hearing that has not been able to fully get context. And as it is, I'm going to have to use an automated caption transcript generator because there's just no way I could afford to pay somebody else to do 310 episodes. And I don't have the time or the hearing ability to do it myself anymore. But that will be coming. They will be uploaded to my website when I can. So just sort of stay tuned on that. And yeah, brace yourselves. Because on the 10th, I have a super hard, super sad super intense and dark story that's coming. It does involve death of a child. So I'm giving you a pre-disclaimer, which I'm not, a, I don't think I've ever done, but just know that if, if that's a rough topic for you, protect yourself first and foremost. But if you are able to listen, it's this amazing conversation I had with one of the strongest, just best-hearted humans I know. So until then, please get a vaccine and wear a mask and wash your hands and just don't be a dick. You matter.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.